Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Boom, boom, boom. Shadubi, boom, boom, boom. Shadubi, boom. Working so hard, I keep on wondering if there is a chance I will ever I'm coming so far. But just as I'm finishing, it seems there is always some more work to do. I need a day to collect my thoughts, to spend some time with you. Here comes Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Good Shabbos to you, Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Come Friday Eve, the beggar and the billionaire will each have a feast that will last through the night. Who could believe that families everywhere are singing the songs by the same candlelight? Taking the time to appreciate the wonderful things that you do. Here comes Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbat Shabbos, Shabbos, Good Shabbos to you, Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbat Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos. When it gets darker on Saturday, I feel so sad as it goes away. I try to bring a little Shabbat in my Shabbatah. In my Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shabbat
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this July 13th, day one in the month of Menachem Av. Today's Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, the year 5778, Tavshinayin Ches, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Yeah, even though it's Av, even though it's nine days, still, of course, have Hallel and Yalav and special Torah reading for Rosh Chodesh and everything you might expect on a Rosh Chodesh morning. Tarif Shabbos Parshas Matos and Masse. We will close out the book of Bamidbar. Again, it's Erev uh, Shabbos Parshas Matos and Masse. We'll say Mazal Tov to anybody who has a Bar Mitzvah anniversary on Matos or Masse. We know some people like that. <laughs> candle lighting here in New York, 806. 806 officially candle lighting time here in New York. Uh, many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And if you're out there, by the way, in uh, some place outside the United States, especially in an area where Shabbos starts very late, let us know on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Let us know. I'm curious where Shabbos, when Shabbos starts now in places like uh, like London and Scandinavia and, I don't know, other places in uh, Northern Europe and other parts of the northern part of the globe that are... Um, getting set for Shabbos at this point or have plenty of time to get set for Shabbos at this point. 70 degrees outside with 77% humidity winds in northwest at two miles an hour. Partly cloudy today, a high of 84. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 70. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 91. I didn't realize it's going to get so hot tomorrow. Uh, Yerushalayim is at 80 up in Guilford, New York, where they are preparing for visiting day, no doubt. Yeah, they prepare days in advance. After all, they've got some prominent visitors coming. Parents, grandparents, siblings, etc. Uh, so up in Guilford, New York at Camp Missouri, 51 degrees is how things are starting there on a Friday morning as we say good morning to them up there from all of us here at JM and the AM. I'm just I'm literally going there now to the uh, weather um, the weather website, which I'm having trouble accessing for some reason. I want to see if uh, if visiting day is going to be a uh, an amazing day weather-wise or not. Yeah, we've had both, as you can imagine. Over the years, we've had both. All right, so Guilford, New York. Let's see. All right, we'll see if this pops up. Uh, so here we are on a Friday era of Shabbos. Our nine days format is set to begin. Uh, but because it's Friday, we are um, sort of extending our three weeks form. And I think Erev Shabbos uh, and Rosh Chodesh is a good time to extend our uh, to extend our uh, not three weeks format and uh, continue some of the musical selections before Shabbos on this Rosh Chodesh morning. So that's how we're doing it. And then next week, we'll drift into a nine days format, which will be uh, uh, certainly plenty of discussions, plenty of conversations and interviews on the air. But aside from that, uh, Rabbi Wine's lectures that are always so informative, in many ways entertaining, and certainly uh, vital in terms of what uh, people need to know about different eras in Jewish history and different events and um, circumstances in Jewish history. Uh, that'll all be happening starting next week as we will present Rabbi Beryl Wine 
here at JMNAM. On Monday uh, at 8 o'clock Monday morning, 8 o'clock Eastern time, I will uh, present my father's eulogy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The eulogy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe was, frankly, uh, pretty amazing. And those of you who've heard it know exactly what I mean. If you've never heard it, uh, it's worthwhile listening to. So my father's eulogy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe this coming uh, Sunday, this coming Monday, 8 a.m. right here at the JM in the AM. All right, Guilford, New York. They're expecting sunshine and 82 degrees on Sunday. Can't get much better than that. Those of you who are heading to visiting day weekend, uh, whether you're spending time in the uh, Catskill region and then heading up, or if you're going straight from the New York City area, enjoy. Those of you who are uh, around the world and uh, don't have visiting day on uh, <laughs> on Sunday, lucky you. Just kidding, of course. Just kidding. <laughs> um, after after uh, the nine days format has been completed, or I should say toward the end of the nine days format, keep in mind we will have a special Tisha B'Av morning here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network. Matis will be hosting JM Sunday Tisha B'Av morning, and then at 9.15 we're going to go live to the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. There's a week from Sunday on Tisha B'Av. Uh, for their Tisha B'Av program, which you'll be able to watch live on our network and, of course, uh, here throughout the app and everything else that we have. Um, then uh, Sunday night, Project Inspired, Charlie Harari hosts, will, of course, uh, provide that as well. Um, Monday night is the big uh, Queen's Hatzalah concert. It's a week from Monday with Ohad coming in from Israel. We'll talk much, much more about that as we get closer. Tuesday, we head to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, which means that Wednesday's JM and the AM will literally be from the Nefesh Benefesh plane. Thursday's JM and the AM from Yom NCSY. Friday, Erev Shabbos Nachamu JM and the AM from NCSY summer programs in Beit Meir. And we will have a Barkan Winery show that week before Nachamu. And, and if that's not enough, when we get back directly to Camp Hask for the Hask Experience Day, um, which will be amazing. We're going to be broadcasting from there. We'll be um, highlighting a whole bunch of stuff that they're going to be doing at Hask on the 29th of July. Remember, that's open to the public. That day is open to the public. Now, if you have a shout-out, if you'd like to get a shout-out into one of our shows, NCSY, uh, Yom NCSY, or the Hask show on the 29th, all you got to do is send us an email with the subject line, shout-out Hask or shout-out NCSY, so we know what it is. And uh, all you got to do is send that email to nachum at nachumsegel.com. Nachum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at nachumsegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. That's the whole thing. And we get your uh, message on the air. It becomes part of our show. And, um, yeah, we get to have even more fun. How do you like that? So that's a story with a lot of things that are happening. I mean, everyone's talking about this end of July, which is uh, amazing how this month, which is dominated by the three weeks Nine Days and Tisha B'Av has become an unbelievable programming um, bonanza, an absolute programming bonanza um, for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. So Baruch Hashem. More coming up. We're staying in our three weeks format on this Rosh Chodesh morning. We go to our nine days format early next week. Malcolm Honline expected one hour from now. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Rabbi Yudin is expected to address us from Israel today. Rabbi Yudin is expected to address us from Israel today in the 8 o'clock hour. And, of course, plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Shemoshi, Ahamelech, Yanei, Nubi, 
J.M. in the A.M. Pretty amazing selections from Chasidisha Otsros. That's what it's called, Chasidisha Otsros. That one, of course, L'cha Dodi. Before that, the um, Lo Sevoshi done by Babov. You heard Kol Ish with Ihi Chavod. Bilvavi and Menucha Vesimcha, that was the um, Y studs here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, it's Rosh Chodesh morning. Today is Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, all the traditional editions for Rosh Chodesh, of course. At America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world and the web, at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tal in the background will do our news from Israel coming up. Candle lighting 8.06 on this Rosh Chodesh. 8.06 in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Matos, and Mase on this Rosh Chodesh. Menachem Av. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to Jamie. Galitzal, Shah Stein, Kan Shir Meir, Im Mashikorech Shav. Khatifata Yeled Karim Jumhur, Shabak, it's Tarefalaila Mishtara, Bekipus Harayeled Ben Hasheva, Shenichtaf Mechatsarbeto, Bekalanswa. Mafkala Mishtara Roni Al Sheikh, Kemalaila Arahat, Matsav Miuhedet, Benogalitua Yeled, Sheba Amar, Hayeled Nichtafal Devarianim, Leshitra Shuta Palestinit, Velachen, and Ruimbaka Akrait, Levitronoshil Karim, Kahal Sheikh. Katavdeno Adas Steif Mazkiraki, it Molho Rahbish. Shabbos 
חשד לפשע תג מחיר ליד שכם. שתי מכוניות עלו באש במהלך הלילה ביישוב הפלסטיני אוריף בשומרון. בנוסף, רוססה במקום הכתובת היה זהיר בשפה הערבית, כשלצידה מגן דוד. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה לאיתור המעורבים בביצוע המעשה. השרפות בעוטף עזה. 11 צוותי כיבוי פועלים כעת להשתלטות על שרפה סמוך לקיבוץ אור הנר. כתבנו רמי שני. השרפה ליד אור הנר התלקחה בשל נפילה של בלונים ממטעני תבערה ששוגרו מרצועת עזה. היא התפשטה לשטחי מרעה גדולים. צוותים רחבים של לוחמי אש, אנשי קרן קיימת לישראל ובוקרים מהקיבוץ מנסים להשתלט על הלהבות ולתחום אותן בסיוע של מטוסי כיבוי. יועץ בכיר למנהיג איראן חמינאי דחה את הדרישה הישראלית לנסיגת הכוחות האיראניים מסוריה ואמר כי טהרן תעזוב את סוריה רק אם דמשק תרצה בכך. כתבת חדשות החוץ, יערה אגמי חורי. יועצו של חמינאי, עלי אכבר ולייעתי, אמר בכנס במוסקבה כי הכוחות האיראנים והרוסים בסוריה ימשיכו לפעול אל מול הטרור והתוקפנות האמריקנית. הוא המשיך והוסיף, אנו נעזוב רק אם ממשלת סוריה תבקש זאת, ולא בגלל לחץ מירושלים ומוושינגטון. אתמול דווח בסוכנות הידיעות הרוסית RIA כי ולייתי נפגש עם נשיא רוסיה פוטין לשיחה בנושא ביטחון. המחלוקת על שירות נשים בתפקידי לוחמה, שר הביטחון אביגדור ליברמן אומר היום, עוד בהקמת צה"ל שרתו נשים וגברים יחדיו. כל מי שמכיר את המסורת היהודית, יודע שנשים תמיד תרמו לביטחון ישראל. שרה, גיבורת הנילי, וגם הצנחנית שלנו, חנה סנש, גם כשמסתכלים אחורה להקמת צה"ל, 48, מיום הראשון של הקמת צה"ל, הקמנו גם נחל, והיו בנים ובנות ביחד, ומעולם זה לא הפריע לאף אחד. מועדון הכדורגל האנגלי צ'לסי הודיע על עזיבת מאמן הקבוצה אנטוניו קונטה. כתבנו אופיר נתן. קונטה הגיע לצ'לסי לפני כשנתיים ובעונתו הראשונה הוביל את הקבוצה לאליפות. במהלכה הלונדונים קבעו סיליגה עם 30 ניצחונות. בעונה שחלפה אמנם זכו בגביע האנגלי, אבל בליגה סיימו במקום החמישי ונותרו מחוץ לליגת האלופות. מי שצפוי להחליף את המאמן האיטלקי הוא מאוריציו סארי האיטלקי, מאמן נפולי בשלוש השנים האחרונות. ותחזית מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עד נעים, טמפרטורות רגילות לעונה, מחר עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך מרון ששון.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh morning. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, Baruch Kel Elyon, the Mudjits Baruch Kel Elyon from Chassidish Otros. 12 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Holmline later this hour. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up. Rabbi Yudin is going to be live from Israel. How cool is that? He'll speak to us live from Israel. Coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, that'll happen at about 8.15 Eastern time this morning. And um, we have a full, and I mean full, 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 full schedule at the end of July, as we've been talking about, an absolute programming bonanza. Uh, I'll brief you about it in a few minutes from now again. Uh, we'll be talking about it over the next few days. It is just uh, incredible what's going on here. So we'll have that all for you coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, this coming Monday, this coming Monday, which is uh, our nine days format, we will present my uh, father's Rabbi Zev Siegel's Hespid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the eulogy he delivered on the Shloshim of the Lubavitcher Rebbe back in Av 
24 years ago. We'll present it at 8 o'clock in the morning this coming Monday. If you've ever heard it, you know how amazing it is. If you've never heard it, I strongly recommend you try to tune in. 8 o'clock this coming Monday morning right here at JM in the AM. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I step off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. And then I saw a man who looked the same way too. I was quite relieved to find the fellow Jew. Then two more went into a shop that red closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. Some moved on. 
But the back of the store still remembers the song. The nine men who waited till one came along. How Shabbos was carried on a song.
The holiday of Jam the M Friday morning. <clears throat> Perfect selection for this Rosh Chodesh Av. A lot of schlockapella in there. You heard uh, the holiday of Tisha B'Av. I got my Shabbos, the Shabbos blessing and minion man here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, it is Rosh Chodesh. All the traditional editions for Rosh Chodesh today, one day Rosh Chodesh. Uh, half Hallel, Yalav Yavo, special Torah reading, Musaf, all included today because today is Rosh Chodesh Menachem of the very beginning of the nine days. And I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, comment on our app. Feel free. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Let us know what you have to say. Oh, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank the Rebbitson who just checked in. Talks about the inspiration people get from the eulogy that my father delivered, uh, regarding the Lubavitcher Rebbe. That's coming up Monday, Monday at eight o'clock. We will play that for you here at JM and the AM. I hope that, uh, you'll have an opportunity to tune in. It is in fact an inspiring piece that we get to play every single year. Candle lighting at 8.06 on this Rosh Chodesh. A one-day Rosh Chodesh, as we keep pointing out. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Matos, and Maseh. We'll get into our nine days format already next week here at JM and the AM. Uh, we have a real bonanza of programming. No joke. A real bonanza of programming uh, all through the uh, the month of July. We are heading to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, but here's how it's going to work. On Tisha B'Av itself, Sunday, on Tisha B'Av itself, uh, we will be the place to watch and to hear the live Tisha B'Av program from the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island on Saxon Avenue. It's free admission. Men and women are invited. Come on down. At 8.20, Tisha B'Av morning, they'll dive in Shacharis, then Kinos, uh, with Rabbi Elio, Sun and Shine, Shlomo Schwartz, and Rabbi Moshe Faskowitz. Then at 12.15, Thoughts About Tishabov with Mayor Simcha Siegel and Rabbi Aaron Raps. Mincha will be at 1.45. Watch the entire program at NahumSiegel.com. Listen live, of course, on all of our choices. And for information about being there at the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island for Tishabov morning, 718-983-8063, 718-983-8063. Eight oh six three Project Inspire will feature Charlie Harari and the Project Inspire staff. That's happening on Tishabov starting at seven p.m. in their live streaming talk show. Uh, it's called "We Need You: Stepping Up and Taking Responsibility." It's all free of charge. Information, of course, radio at projectinspire.com. Radio at projectinspire.com. Uh, for us, the day after Tishabov means the big Queen Satsala event. Starting at 6.30 that night at the Queens Museum, it's the uh, Ohad Yedidim Choir, Iron Teitelbaum Symphonic Orchestra, an amazing premiere men's event. It's happening with a lavish grand barbecue all on Monday night, the 23rd of July, literally the day after Tisha B'Av. And we are very much looking forward to it. Then we head to Israel. Wednesday's JM in the AM will be from the plane, the Nefesh Benefesh plane, no joke, <laughs> Thursday, JM and the AM from Yom NCSY. Friday, JM and the AM, Erev Shabbos Nachamu with the NCSY summer programs in Beit Meir. And then uh, Sunday, we are back here uh, to broadcast from the Hask Experience Day up in camp. That'll be Monday's JM and the AM, but we'll also be doing it live, which means you'll be able to hear the show live. Uh, and then again, Monday morning, It'll play uh, between 6 and 9 a.m. So a lot of amazing and incredible things going on 
a programming bonanza in the month of July for us here at JMN. By the way, if you want to shout out to somebody, a staff member or a camper uh, for the NCSY summer programs, a Yom NCSY, or uh, for the Hask show, all you got to do is send us an email with the subject line, shout out NCSY or shout out Hask, and send it to Nahum at NahumSiegel.com, Nahum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at NahumSiegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. Here's Miami.
Na 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 
J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Starting nine days. Get into our nine days format in earnest. is coming uh, uh, Monday. And um, a week from Sunday, of course, Tisha B'Av. We'll be uh, uh, presenting the Tisha B'Av live program from the New Springville Jewish Center. Tisha B'Av with uh, Charlie Harari and Project Inspire, 7 p.m. that night. So we have two Tisha B'Av programs here at uh, NSN. And then, um, and then we start the amazing programming bonanza of uh, traveling to Israel and presenting incredible JMNAM programs. And then, of course, back here for the big Hask Day on the 29th of July. Reminder, in fact, those of you who are tuning in for the weekly update, reminder, the only weekly update as of now 
that Malcolm and I know we will not be able to um, present will be Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Erev Shabbos Nachamu will be the the, uh, JMNAM show from the NCSY summer programs in Beit Meir. Other than that, we are on a regular schedule, uh, please God. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com continuing to uh, encourage their readers to check us out on a daily basis, and I thank them for that. If you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, go to that website, JewishWorldReview.com. And a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com, who continue to utilize our content for the um, news feed that they've created that has gotten a tremendous amount of attention. As we tell everybody, make sure to check out the OnlySimchas.com website and newsfeed, I should say. That's a better way of putting it on a daily basis. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, good morning, Malcolm. How are you? Baruch Hashem. For those people on the right who are, you know, insulted or or panicking that there's a reaction like this that President Trump's getting in England. This is really normal, right? American presidents travel somewhere, no matter if they're Democrat or Republican. They are greeted uh, very often with these types of crowds and these types of reactions. Well, not often. Uh, we, we know that the uh, past times there have been presidents who visited uh, in Europe and were vetted and hailed as heroes. Uh, President Trump, I think, is a particular target. He's a very blunt speaking, as we all know, and uh, his message, the strong message that he has communicated on a lot of issues, um, is a rallying point there, as it is here. I mean, there are presidents who are seen as uh, more partisan, and the general climate and, and in Europe as well, where we've seen the divisions uh, between left and right becoming more and more exaggerated, with the center being lost, and certainly the Labour Party in Israel in the in England, has become a bastion for BDS and, and uh, hostile people. Corbyn, the leader, who uh, stepped down, uh, but was nonetheless very outspoken in his criticisms of Israel, as are others. You see that in Ireland, the, they're adopting legislation that enshrines BDS. Uh, and in fact, this it applies specifically to any product produced in the West Bank and any of the uh, settlement areas, and the the implications of it can be very strong, because the companies would then be subject those who do business in the United States to the anti boycott laws here. So companies are going to have to make a decision whether they want to do business in the United States or adhere to the uh, to the passage. If this thing passes, it did pass. 25 to 20 in the Senate in Ireland. Uh, but in England, too, we see very strong uh, views and, of course, support for Israel. It's not like it is in the United States, support for uh, um, other issues as well. So uh, I think President Trump is a particularly strong lightning rod wherever he goes, uh, both for people who are very vehemently supportive and those who are vehemently opposed. Does Israel have a lot of skin in the game when it comes to the future of NATO? I mean, when he makes certain demands about the commitment that countries in NATO have toward defense and uh, when he threatens to, you know, e- either strengthen it or, or abolish it, uh, uh, does Israel look by just as an innocent bystander or is there, you know, is there a, a, a Jewish or Israeli approach to the issue? 
No, it's, it's very important because Israel is an observer at NATO. Uh, there are people who have argued that as part of any peace agreement, maybe they would become ma- members of NATO. But um, there is a stake. Uh, Israel wants to see the Europeans being uh, devoting more to their resources, more to fighting the terrorists, more to, to being able to deal with the foreign fighters who are coming home, more that is not just in terms of external threats, uh, standing up, to Russia, standing up to to other uh, elements, uh, Turkey, um, Iran, for sure. But you see that the policy is generally one still of appeasement. That we see too much in England and other countries, where the and and this is not true, I think, of Mrs. May so much as it is of, of opposition, but true in other countries where we see them still wanting to make the JCPOA, still fighting American sanctions. So we see that European c- companies are opting out in remarkable numbers and the and the major companies in, in Europe are and the shipping companies and insurance companies are not backing any deals anymore which makes it virtually impossible for many of the companies to do business with Iran and yet you see the efforts and the constant meetings and things to to try and appease Iran which makes more and more demands on them every time they they meet as they have even during the last couple of days so I think strengthening NATO, a NATO that is really effective where the countries are committed, you know, Turkey uh, eviscerated their military to a large degree. A lot of the pilots were fired, if you remember, they were arrested when Erdogan uh, arrested 100,000 people, included many of the military and other leaders. And here they're saying this is what, that, that they are no longer able to make the kind of contributions they made before. And the impact, of course, will be significant uh, if NATO is diminished. By the way, you mentioned the cash or money to um, Iran. Uh, I'm I'm confused about the story. You had this in the Daily Alert about the the money that went from Germany to Iran. Is that is that a, a loan, a payment? Is that a uh, just money they need to do business with that that Germany is facilitating for them? What is that? Yeah, it's money that they've asked from the German bank, but they're asking for it in cash, $300 million in cash. Now, we know that cash is the fuel of terrorism. Right. And the idea, one thing about giving money and still continuing to do business as usual with Iran, and this is meant to, to guarantee some of the businesses uh, needed the money for that, but the, the, and it's through an Iranian-German bank uh, that they channel the money through. But to me, the significant part is, A, business as usual, and B, that they would, again, not learn the lesson that you don't give it in cash. What, do it in a, If it's an official thing, do it in a bank transfer to government to government to another bank. You can at least tra- tra- trace where the money is going. But cash, we know, ends up going to Hamas, going to Hezbollah, becoming uh, you know, further incentive to the terrorists that right. they support. Even that concession a country like Germany won't make. At least acknowledge that. Not be that. At least acknowledge that that it's a it's a, it's a that there are better ways to get money to them than in fact to send over cash. Uh, on the Ireland thing, are you then possibly recommending? Because I'm I'm sure you know that Ireland has become a very very big tourist location, much bigger than it was you know uh, prior to two years ago. Let's put it that way. And in our community, a lot of people are putting Ireland on their list of places to visit if they haven't gone already. Are you recommending maybe we should think twice before doing that and pumping money into their economy? I think that people should consider uh, at least sending a message about it. 
and if necessary, the time may come where we will urge people to give expression to their concern. Uh, they can choose many locations uh, about where they go to vacation. And if they pass this legislation and officially adopt it, I think then many people will reconsider investments there, tourism there. Uh, and it's a way to send a message because this starts spreading. Once governments start adopting it, and we have now city councils all over Spain in, in about half a dozen countries that have adopted on a local level uh, BDS-type legislation or, or um, supportive legislation of, of the BDS movement. And while the economic impact may be limited, the trade between Ireland and Israel is not that great, the, uh, it, it is a cumulative effect of all of this, and it becomes a commonplace and accepted that you can do it. I mean, cities like Barcelona have done it, others, and I think we have to monitor it and, and uh, take the appropriate action. Right now, we're, we urge people right to the, if you do business or you have vacation plans in Ireland, let the ambassador know, uh, the ambassador of Ireland in Washington, and uh, make sure that they get a message. It takes you two minutes to do it, but it's very important. You know what's funny? What's funny is that there are some people uh, who, who don't always represent official government. I'm sure you go through this all the time. Who go out of their way to to tell us how close and how much uh, their country and their officials and how they themselves admire Israel. I met someone yesterday from Ghana. You know, sees my yarmulke. First thing, oh, Ghana's so friendly to Israel. We get along so well. We, you know, anything to. Which I don't even know if it's true or not. You could tell me, but but you know, this is the, and. But and 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 of course you come across this all the time. You know we've discussed this on the air. All the countries that are going out of their way to talk about their relationship with Israel and hop on the bandwagon that I always talk about. And then you have the opposite, where in Cape Town they'll you know they'd rather people have you no know, no access to water than take Israeli advice on how to handle things. Uh, BDS you know could only one would think would only hurt people you know in Ireland because of the reaction that they'll get from the free world. And it, it's just amazing the 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 gap. Between the two, you know what I mean? Absolutely. First of all, in Ghana's case, there are good relations. As you know, the Prime Minister visited Africa several times this year, and um, that doesn't necessarily reflect in how they voted the UN, which is often an automatic vote with the non-aligned movement or others. And But we are seeing some shift there, and thanks to Nikki Haley and um, the strong stance that she's taken, I think that is an impact as, uh, as well. But the... Um, you know, there is a dissonance between what often individuals will say and even officials representing countries. And they go to Israel and they come back very enthusiastic and they want to change it. Uh, many times their votes are just, as I said, uh, cast automatically. They find follow the Europeans and the EU in, in some cases. In other cases, as I said, the non-aligned movement, which is headed by Iran today. So you know what, that, what direction they're all taking. Right. Uh, but but this, in terms of Ireland, it's uh, you know there's there's a long history there as well uh, in terms of what their positions vis-a-vis -vis Israel's creation and since then. But uh, this ha ha is much more complicated. I know the Lawfare Project has been pursuing uh, legal remedies and uh, looking at the, this is a violation of the uh, anti uh, boycott law. The U.S. in last year, I think, accounted for about two thirds of all the direct investment in Iran, in um, Ireland, and some, I don't know, 700, 800 companies, uh, which employ 150,000 plus people, um, are, are going to be affected. Um, 
uh, buy this. And some of those companies, American companies, also have big R&D operations in Israel. So it, it could be very complicated when, they, when you start trading into these areas. Unbelievable. Um, and by the way, we should always point out one of the one. Of, I, don't, I don't know. If we, should we say the first family of Israel from Dublin, Ireland? Would that be accurate? I know that a lot of people like to say Netanyahu is the first family of Israel, but the Herzog family of Israel, their roots are in Ireland, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the grandfather was the chief rabbi right. uh, of Ireland, Rabbi Herzog, and um, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. You talk about the history and. Uh, both good and bad. Uh, the, the fires are out of control. I think what's frustrating a lot of people in Israel, I'm getting a lot of um, direct messages about this from regular citizens in Israel, is that nobody seems to care. Apparently, according to what Mayor Weingarten told us earlier in the week, the fires now have consumed an area of land in Israel that's as large as Petach Tikva. And the media is essentially ignoring it, it seems. It, it is absolutely true, and I think this is a, a very important issue that people don't take seriously the toys for terror when they see kites and balloons and other things. Uh, today there's a huge fire in Israel, a huge fire. Um, and the, the more than 7,000 acres had been destroyed before today's uh, assaults. And we're seeing it, unfortunately, over and over again uh, throughout Israel, that the, the, throughout the region, that these fires have consumed a number of nature reserves, They've consumed about uh, 1,500, 1,600 acres of farming land before today. Wow. And, you know, that's people's livelihoods, people's homes, people's businesses um, have been destroyed. The, the um, uh, environmental impact is immense, and it'll take, you know, it takes a long time when a, a field is burnt or a forest is burnt for it to replenish itself and rebuild. Yeah, and at the same time, the burning of the tires, all of this has a tremendous um, impact on the on the environment, and yet I haven't heard one environmentalist <laughs> speak up, and we, and we have written some of them speak up about this issue, which shows the hypocrisy and the uh, ludicrousness of, of of the positions that some take critical of Israel yeah. for quote environmental things when Israel is one of the world's leaders in environmental progress, inventions, innovations. And now the, these guys are looking to launch longer-range, constantly longer-range missiles. So part of one of the reasons why you don't have fires in some of the areas is because it's already been burnt. There's nothing left to burn there. And uh, I, I think that it's, it's quite this, you know, horrible that people and the media almost completely ignore all of these issues and what what impact and and the and when Israel is ultimately going to respond in a tougher and tougher ways, you know they'll of course come under criticism and nobody cares yeah, about uh, you know about what happens in in the, in the Israeli part. And I want to tell you something about Gaza that I just I noticed that eighteen thousand people took advantage of the opening of the border crossing with Egypt to leave permanently. Wow! Amongst them are the bankers lawyers about a hundred to 150 doctors have left which is only going to compound the economic conditions in the country but they've had enough and they are are leaving so it's it's um i i think even of the hamas leader staff of the 10 seven have left that says it all huh <laughs> to me basically 
What's missing in this whole picture with the fires? Is it, is it because there's no Israeli celebrity who's who's taking up the cause, or or the media seriously doesn't think it's a big story, or it doesn't get ratings? Like, well, what's what's missing here to make it, you know, a story like you know hundreds of others that I could tell you from Israeli history, you know, have become real real causes out there. It, first of all, uh, no Palestinians are being killed, so they don't, they're not interested in it, mm. and, um, and you know they try to make light of it. And, you know, they say, okay, people, we covered the story once or twice. It's already done. And um, so they... I, I think they should all go to see the R&R kibbutz, which, just, um, which is experiencing this big fire uh, when one of the balloons uh, from Gaza uh, landed there. And there were many firefighters, um, and the kibbutz itself wasn't destroyed, but a, a lot of uh, damage was done, and they had to call in airplanes which come to the scene quickly and, and still working on the fire. And as one of our listeners just points out on our app, and what about the Israeli government? I mean, what about their responsibility? Forget the, the media you know, presence for a moment. What about the, the responsibility they have to deal with this? Are, are they, in fact, you know, a, a, a proactive in trying to deal with this? They are very proactive in dealing with it, and they're looking for uh, new methods, you know, both to counter this, but it's almost impossible you know, to to uh, find the sources. They went after the people who headed the unit. They eliminated some of them. They try to target the places where the stuff is stored or where it's moved, but balloons can be given out to people, yeah. and uh, the, the liquid uh, fuel is just and it put in there, and then that's it, and this, the story is over. Look, we always talk about the uh, the creativity of the enemy, and they're just, you know, they're, they're a step ahead right now. I mean, they're just... Uh... Well, they latched on to something exactly that um, uh, the the um, ability to respond on part of Israel. And I know people are saying, "Why don't they just eliminate?" It's not so easy. Yeah. Can you send snipers to go after people looking for boons? They do do aerial surveillance, and where they can take with a drone or other things in an operation. Uh, they have bombed one or two of this, a couple of the sites, but it's not. It's it's far more complicated, and and the you know the escalation can be more more costly. So they are looking at when, ways to to address it. Constantly finding look look what, how they've done with the tunnels. They came up with the technology. That's why they're resorting to this because as Israel finds technology, whether it's um, the the drones or whether it's satellite photographs and going after the the launch sites, but it it is not like a missile where you have a particular you have a launcher you can target and eliminate it. Very very difficult situation. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Nine days format. Uh, officially begins early next week on this Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. We're speaking with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, I asked you last week about the trial of Sarah Netanyahu, which to me looked like it was really, you know, getting off to a quick start. They've already postponed it. <laughs> I guess this is, she's the beneficiary of Acharei HaChagim, huh? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it starts on October the 7th now. I didn't realize it's a two-month break in the Israeli court system. Two months. There's oh. a two-month break in the whole government. <laughs> in the whole country, uh, huh? <laughs> and that, which is good or bad, we don't know. But the, 
um, the the, the uh, you know the Knesset goes out of session. I think Wednesday for Tisha B'av and then for till after the after Sukkot. I don't think they reconvene again uh, for the it's a couple of months. Wow. So this is their uh, their vacation, and many people are relieved when Knesset goes out of session. <laughs> <laughs> there are, and that's one of the reasons why they're trying to rush through some of the legislation, the nation-state bills, some other bills that they're doing, because otherwise they start again after the after the Chagim. Yes. And you saw that Netanyahu has been talking about possible having um, nego- having uh, elections at the beginning of the year. I think um, you know it's possible for them to reconvene. Uh, I think if uh, a peace plan is put forward or if something else happens, there will be uh, the Knesset will will reconvene. Uh, but right now, I'm not sure that uh, we have any kind of a timetable. I think the, the Palestinian resistance to even discussions and negotiations is uh, is an obstacle to anything that uh, could be put forward wait, wait uh, by sec. the U.S. Wait a second, I'm confused. What's the relationship between uh, between negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians and an, and an early 2019 election? Well, I think for one thing, if Netanyahu wants to go to have the authority to negotiate, depends upon what is put forward. Um, they will often go to elections in order to get the mandate um, to 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 enter the negotiations to have a stronger coalition and not be subject to all of the pressures of, the, of smaller parties. It doesn't always work. And the scheduling is not just limited. I just cited that as one possible example uh, of what uh, could, A, lead to reconvening the, the Knesset uh, if some emergency session or if, if it's necessary for any kind of development that could come up. Um, but also the Knesset will be under additional pressure because once elections are called, very little happens, although the government is the strongest at that time, between the time they call election and the election. The, they don't have to go to the Knesset. They can take a lot of actions uh, on their own, which they can't normally do. Yeah, but the country's at its weakest, having to watch the entire campaign in front of them. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the new entertainment. I don't know if Fowda will be on soon. If not, that we'll have this to, I mean, could you imagine? to look at. And you can imagine it's going to be a, a very uh, intense election, although nobody... It's quite clear who the opposition, if there will be opposition leaders, who they will emerge. But what kind of uh, campaign? Netanyahu's numbers are very strong. Well, right that's now. it. That's what that's what he wants. He's trying to he's trying to hedge his bet and get another four years based on this popularity. I mean, that's the whole thing. Well, then he could have called the election for even earlier. So I think he he uh, is doing this as a for what for him is the maximal best time by his own assessments. You know, it'll be interesting here. He could be campaigning in October, November, and December as his wife's on trial. I don't know if that would be interesting. I think it would be. It would be. Um, it's look. It's very burdensome. And I told you I was there when they got the notice uh, of his her indictment, and you know it takes a heavy toll. It. it, it well, that's what I'm saying. Him, but I mean, you know, and it's a you know it's a serious matter. I, I can imagine the split screen on Israeli television. Him at a rally and she in court. But you know. Be a tough visual for the Netanyahu's. I'll tell you and, that. And much. when you look at the array of things that are going on, that the prime minister should not be have to deal with all of these sundry issues 
um, whether you, his visit to Putin this week, the negotiations over what's going on in in, in Syria about the acceptance of, of Assad. I see even American senators telling, warning him that Assad and Iran are one, and telling him that the idea that he could saying that he could live with an Assad government because for all the years they kept the border quiet. Whether that still holds true now, given the new uh, alignment and the supposed assurances that he got from Russia that they would uh, restrain Iran in um, in Syria. But he has a very serious problem there. They're encroaching on the border. You have 80,000 militia. You have them infiltrating the, the uh, Syrian uh, troops and, and uh, both the militia and Hezbollah and others, that you have... Um, um, a, a, an unstable situation. At best, you have Jordan facing really difficult uh, circumstances. The, uh, the, the certainly the situation in Gaza, and of course the ever-present danger that the Lebanese border could heat up. Although I don't see it now, and at the same time dealing with the prospect of uh, negotiations. Although again, I don't think it's imminent. But you know, the bottom line to any successful peace deal has to be direct negotiations between the parties, and you have a party that's not willing to sit down and talk. By the way, did you see that uh, in Eisenstadt's book that President Carter was against the Sadat visit? Yes, I knew I knew it at the time, and uh, yes. So his, so I'm trying to understand it. His taina was that his meaning President Carter's analysis was that that if, in fact, the visit would take place, which it did, but what he was worried about, if it would take place, there would be no comprehensive peace agreement, meaning for the entire region, and it would just be an Egypt-Israel agreement, and essentially he was right. Yes, but I think that there was more behind it. I think he was insulted that they bypassed him uh, because it was direct between uh, Begin and... Well, if he, had, if he had resentment towards Sadat, he never showed it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Yes, he didn't particularly care for Begin, right. but but at the time I remember people in the White House others saying that he was upset that he was bypassed and that they went about this directly. Uh, uh, so there's always a combination of factors. Yeah. I don't think that the sensitive anybody man. could, sensitive could man, overlook the importance of the Egyptian-Israeli uh, the Israeli deal. Right, the interest there. Sensitive man, President Carter. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. By the way, here's the. I'll, I'll get back to Syria and everything for a second, but listen to this piece of news. A record number of tourists visited Israel in the first half of 2018. You know what the number was? 2.1 million. Two, correct. 2.1 million tourist entries between January and June, the most ever for a half-year period. That's pretty amazing. I know, you know, Israel 70, et cetera. I know, you know what, what they always say in terms of you know, figures being bumped, but that is an amazing figure. That's just incredible. So keep- which, which translates at this tra- base to about four over four million, four point two, which is a record. You know, I remember when crossing the three million threshold was celebrated, and now it's passing four. And if they had more hotel rooms, I think you'd have even more. And if prices for transportation there were were lower, you'd have even more. But it's a remarkable statement, and I think a greater percentage of, of Jews in America than, you know, used to be true when they would say, I think, a quarter or even less, 20%, had ever visited Israel. Uh, I think the number is much higher. I think birth rate is one of the factors in that, but even more, people want to go to Israel today. They're, there's so much to see. There's so much to experience. And the uh, the high-tech image and many other things that uh, people began to understand that you're not entering a war zone, that it's safe to go there. Uh, I hope it will continue. Wow, amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
Uh, and we just, again, like we always say, you know, we don't realize the history that we're living through and the most incredible time that we're living through right now. What's with the news of this new flotilla? Is there, in fact, a new one heading toward the uh, Gaza area? There is, and it's been in the works for a long time, but I understand it'll probably take place in two weeks. And uh, an Israeli court, uh, I think a Jerusalem district court, ruled uh, yesterday, the day before, that they could seize the boats when they come into Israeli territorial water, two of them, which are worth about less than $100,000, but they can use the money to pay the victims of Hamas terror. And that's because they're infiltrating official Israeli space, or what? What's well, and and it's it's uh, a legally accepted uh, blockade against uh, terrorism. It's it's recognized. It's been tested in the courts that the blockade that Israel has imposed uh, on Gaza, um, and uh, they and in terms of humanitarian goods, they can offload them in Ashdod, and it will be taken to the crossings. So you know that uh, terrorist material is not going in, and we know from the past that flotillas were were lied about what happened, especially the one where Israel right. Israeli troops had to intervene, and then the spokeswoman, the very person who made the allegations and charged how the Israelis violated them, and it turns out that she admitted that they instigated it, that they tried to take the weapons away from one of the soldiers before Israelis did anything uh, violent to them. So these these people are not you know just hell-hearted war people were worried about the conditions in in Gaza. Let them take the money they're spending on the flotilla and send it to the people in Gaza. You know that's what their concern is. But it's it's um you know it's a pernicious thing. It's a publicity ploy, and they know that they they will get the attention. So maybe if all the boats are seized and sold, they will learn a lesson. Yeah, and I'm sure the UN will condemn that act probably. Oh, the UN will be ready to act uh, with great alacrity, I'm sure. You know, you don't see any condemnations in the United Nations, and just think about it, about all the attention that's focused on Israel. No sympathy for what Israel's faces facing for the environmental damage, the economic costs, and all the, the things that come out of this form of terrorism, of using balloons and stuff. Just wait till this spreads to other countries and other terrorist groups start launching it and see how quickly that... Uh, you know, they will come screaming and yelling to the United Nations. But, you know, yesterday a demonstrator was killed in Iran. These are demonstrations about water, water. Uh, someone showed me a clip of a, of a um, faucet in Iran when they opened it, and you see the water is literally brown oh. uh, coming out. And people do not have water. Half the country is already impacted uh, by it. And a demonstrator is killed on this, and yet you don't see... The protest. This is a domestic demonstration. People are unarmed and uh, killed by the Iranian police. And these demonstrations are ongoing. You see almost no coverage of it, almost none. And the the um, activities of Iran, despite the economic crackdown, which punishes the people because they don't, the government punishes them. They don't suffer for it because they keep whatever they need. And the people outside in the smaller places, the unemployment, et cetera, et cetera, is rising. And I think with the new sanctions coming on board, you will see even greater public discontent about it, which is very important. And and there was another thing that you saw no coverage that Palestinian TV did a, a tribute to the guys. You remember in 2000 when two soldiers inadvertently turned into Ramallah, yep. and they were caught blood and lynched brutally in front of the world. And with the, the famous blood on the hands. hands. Right, correct. 
and they did a thing calling them heroic, talking and honoring and paying tribute to them. Until now, these three murderous, barbaric criminals have received almost $600,000 in payments from the PA as part of the pay to kill. And Abbas still refuses to take any action on it. And yet, no, the criticism about it, and countries are cutting the funding, uh, are finally paying attention to, to it. The United States uh, law, the, uh, Israel passed a law deducting it from the tax revenues that they pass on. But still, life goes on. They can uh, scream and yell. They can take the money away. The, the, and Abbas just simply moves ahead saying, we're going to continue this policy, refusing to talk to the American negotiators and, and uh, just the fundamental discussions that, uh, you know, he demonstrates his, uh, his peak and, his, and a lot of it is, is personal. And it's because he doesn't want to negotiate. He doesn't want to make concessions. He doesn't want to have to sit down at the table. He wants to go as long as he can in his, you know, 13th year, I think, of a four-year term uh, without having to face negotiations or accountability of any kind. And yet, you know, the Americans are out there working, and the, the response of the international community is is minimal. Why did it seem a week or two ago the Kushner-Greenblatt plan was about to be released, and now it seems like it's it's much further away? Well, a lot of that has to do with media speculation, or somebody says something or tweets something. Uh, but I think that, that in part because they, and they were in the region, again, trying to gain more understanding and, and support before putting forward a, a plan uh, or proposal. The, um, but the Palestinians stonewalled them again. So now I think the focus mm-hmm. could be on building up Gaza, doing things about economic development, trying to defuse the situation in Gaza, which is something Abbas opposes as well, because he doesn't want to see Hamas uh, benefit from it, uh, from an improved uh, situation there. I just cited the, that statistic, and the point was to to tell you how bad it is and how the elites are, are, are leaving, even members of the, of the Hamas elite, uh, that the the um, Abbas is only driven by his personal agenda, and the in, and not about the needs of the Palestinian people, not about resolving situations, even negotiations between Hamas and the and the PA, you know, are are not possible now. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, finally, I uh, you brought you brought it up, and I wanted to uh, reiterate the Israel-Syrian border is so. There is an official agreement. I don't know if you call it a buffer zone. I don't know if you call it a zone of understanding. I don't know if it's UN enforced. There is what is it? A specific amount of of, of area uh, that is designated as as sort of a no man's land between Ir- Israel and Syria officially. Well, there are various uh, setups, and there is supposed to be an area that Israel's designated, and there is an area of separation separate from that, that came from the separation agreement between Syria and Israel. There's also the pressure that Israel has put to have an additional buffer zone where an area where Iranian troops, their own or their militias and others, are not allowed to enter, meaning not coming up to the Golan. And we know that there were encroachments on the Golan already area. And I think it should even be true of, of Syrian troops. As I said, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, a great friend of Israel, came out warned the Prime Minister yesterday about it, about being too cozy with them, and, and uh, Putin, as I said, it supposedly agreed to having some sort of um, 
um, some sort of restraint imposed on Iran because it's not in his interest to see Iran become uh, uh, dominant. And yet, and and the success of taking back the Iraq, which was where the re- revolution began, and it's not far from uh, the Israeli border. Um, so the the um, uh, you know it, it, it's a very fluid situation because you have different players, and the um, if the Iranians decide that they need a, diver- a diversion or if they want to heat up that border, they certainly want to try and encroach on the area to have the capacity to be able to stage cross-border raids and to escalate uh, the tension in the region without having an all-out war. I don't think that Hezbollah and Lebanon want an all-out war right now, but the, the this is a situation Israel can't stand. It's, you know, the, a drone, uh, a Syrian drone, but made in Iran, came across the Gali. Israel shot it down with a Patriot missile. Um, but that these kind of encroachments are meant to test Israel and also gain intelligence. And the um, uh, for Israel, this is a constant state of alert now, wow. because all you need is to have a few guys run across the border, capture somebody, um, penetrate the border, which is what they want. They're not looking for a military victory. They're looking to be able to to boast and to show that Israel is vulnerable. Unbelievable. Finally. Um, Uri Ariel and other members of Knesset took advantage of Prime Minister's uh, new rule that they can go back to Harabayat, and they actually ascended Harabayat, much to the chagrin of some people uh, among the enemy. Are you familiar at all, have you heard this at all, that there's now a rule that a Jew can't sit on a chair or bench on Harabayat outside of one designated area, and it's becoming a major issue up there? Yes, because some people were arrested for sitting down, oh and, uh, and uh, that's why the issue has come to the fore again, that they're, they're not supposed to pray. If you're seen moving your lips, you can be arrested or removed from the Arabite. Uh It's an intolerable situation, I mean, but, you know, these were concessions just to keep things quiet, not to have, um, you know, ex- unnecessary explosions on, uh, on Arabiyat, on the, because the Temple Mount, because it's so sensitive and it becomes an immediate incendiary uh, for violence because it's exploited, and Abbas and others yell, Al-Aqsa's under siege, and that, that is the rallying call. Uh, because you see, they don't care, and they, and they are continuing, by the way, to do some excavations and more damage. It was halted by Israel, but they don't ha- show the respect for the place and and certainly for its history it's, uh, and deny the Jewish and Christian connections to this. So the the you know everything that has to do with Harabites or any of the places is is really important only when it's effect, it can impact Israel when they themselves do violence there when they engage in, in the kind of actions that they have, then the sacredness seems to come second, or not at all. Wow. So the, I understand why the government doesn't want to see an explosion on this thing. I don't think any of us want to see it. It's, it's led to violence and you know deaths and injuries. But the, we should know that the, when the, look when we moved the embassy, when the, the president visited the hotel, put on a yarmulke, said to him and said, this is a Jewish holy place. That was an even bolder move yeah. and a declaration. And the Arab world, not one demonstration about it. Not one. Yep. If you don't read that message right, you're making a big mistake. Excellent, Malcolm. Thank you so much. We'll reconvene next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I'm willing. Take care. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays here at JM 
in the AM. It is, in fact, a Friday morning broadcast. And by the way, speaking of Israel, which which was the topic of much of our conversation just now, Rabbi Yudin is going to be joining us from Israel. It's always extra special when Rabbi Yudin addresses us live from the Holy Land. And we have that opportunity as we close out the book of Bamidbar. We have the opportunity to have Rabbi Yudin live with us from Israel in just a moment. It's Rosh Chodesh morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Matos, and Masay, candle lighting in New York, 8.06. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Also, remember, this coming Monday will be in our nine days format in earnest. Uh, my father's eulogy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe that we play each year will have Monday, excuse me, Monday at 8 a.m. You'll be able to hear it right here, Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, and then, of course, as we get closer to Tisha B'Av, we will continue to remind you about our plans for Tisha B'Av, both morning and night. We'll explain. And then the amazing week after that that we have around Shabbos Nachamu, uh, when we head to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, broadcast with NCSY, and have some really inspiring and incredible programming from the Holy Land. So all of that is coming up in what I am calling a programming bonanza here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. This time each and every Friday morning, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today, Rabbi Yudin joins us from the Holy Land. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. One second. Good morning, well, Good morning, Nahum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. I am in Naharia, <laughs> not to be believed. I am literally looking and over the Kinneret. And I can only tell you that in simple English, I wish we all had this ability to be here and to be so inspired as to the life of Eretz Yisrael. And I can only tell you how challenging it is to be here during the nine days, because there's no question about it. We are mourning a Beis Hamikdash, but the Beis Hamikdash was not a structure in of itself. A Beis Hamikdash had a whole people, metropolis, a Yerushalayim, where thousands and thousands and thousands would come to the Beis Amigdash. Thank God, today, wherever you go, the national bird of the land of Israel is the crane. They are building and rebuilding. And every, forgive me, what would be called in other places, S-L-U-M, all of those old houses are being torn down and are being literally restored, refurbished. All the two, three floor walk-ups are now becoming modernized with elevators and five, six stories. The land of Israel is called by our Chachamim, Eretz Hatzvi, the land literally of the deer, because the rabbis tell us that nothing less but that the skin of the Tzvi literally expands, and so too, one can see Eretz Yisrael mispashetes spreading out. And what is true in the realm of the physical that we see about us is that which ignites within us that yearning 
and the surety that there will be that spiritual continued growth in Eretz Yisrael as well. Today, as we know, is Rosh Chodesh Av, and so with today we begin the observance of the nine days. And if you think about it, the primary limitation that we have in terms of Ashkenazi Jewry, we've already been withholding haircuts and weddings from Shavasar Betamun. However, starting with today, meat and wine. So how do we understand why is it that we don't eat meat during the nine days and we don't drink wine? I think if we have an understanding thereof, we'd have a greater appreciation. And forgive me, we wouldn't look to try to get out of it. And what do I mean by that? If you look at the last page of the third parak in Baba Bastra, so the Gemara tells us that after, unfortunately, the uh, second place of Nicholas was destroyed, so they were so devastated, they said, look here, we will, how could we have meat? Meat was brought as carbonos, offerings on and to the base of Migdash. And now we no longer have carbonos. How can we have meat? How can we drink wine? If wine was brought daily onto the Mizbeach, onto the altar. So the truth of the matter is one could very well say and see this point, and maybe there were those that would say, okay, let's do without meat and wine. But then when you think about it, hey, how could we have fruit when, after all, fruits were brought to the base of Mikdash as Bikurim? And wait a second, how could we have bread because of the Lechem Aponim? And wait a minute, how can we drink water? Because, after all, water was poured on the Mizbeach during the week of Sukkot. So the rabbis took a very mature stand, and they said, to not observe a period of mourning annually for the Beis Amigdash, that we cannot do. To overmourn, we cannot do either. And therefore, they said that literally from the beginning of the month of Av till and through Tisha B'Av, this is tolerable because the rabbis don't make a law that the people cannot keep, and therefore, except for Shabbos, both this and next Shabbos, which we'll talk about much more next Friday, which happens to be on the calendar, Tisha B'Av, except for this Shabbos and next Shabbos, one is not to eat meat and drink wine during the nine days. Now, what about a Sudas Mitzvah? A Sudas Mitzvah literally is either a bris, a pidurabim, or a yumasecha. Now, very simply, in our communities, most often, if the bris is in the morning, yes, there are some communities that during the year will have meat for, quote, breakfast, then by all means, you should have meat for breakfast during the nine days as well. Uh, but at such occasions where you would have meat 
and his Sudas Mitzvah during the year, certainly during the nine days. If one has been studying Gemara and the Eum comes out during the nine days, they and their close family, close friends that are, you know, partaking of it should. But to create a situation whereby I'm going to start a Masechta and finish during the nine days, many would say that it goes against the spirit of the Lord because we're not looking to, quote-unquote, get out of. We're looking to genuinely recall and participate in. And that's why something very, very interesting. From the letter of the law, Loalainu, if a child loses a relative, it should never happen. So the child, the boy under Bar Mitzvah, and the girl under Bas Mitzvah are not obligated to keep available, to keep mourning. There's no available for a katan. However, here the rabbis did tell us that we want our children, as they grow and mature, and they can appreciate that we're missing the base on Migdash, that we're missing the true spiritual energizer of the Jewish people. And it's so hard for us to explain what we're missing because, unfortunately, We've not yet had it. And once we have the third, we're not going to lose it. But the idea is that one should try to communicate to the children as well that Ikar Chosser is something so very significant that is missing from our lives and especially our spiritual life. And therefore, we pointed out, one, the eating of um, meat and the drinking of wine. This mutzah and Shabbat, one makes Havdalah over wine or grape juice. If there is a child approximately six, seven, eight years old in that ballpark that you can give the wine or grape juice to, fine. If not, an adult who's making Abdullah can drink the wine for um, Abdullah this Mutzay Shabbat. The next area whereby we have the um, feeling of the nine days is regarding the washing of clothes, whereby it's not just that we're not to put on the fresh clothes that are washed because you're not permitted to wash clothing even for after um, the nine days. The idea is that A, in yesteryear and even today as well, we're looking to have people focus on what is happening this time and not for quote-unquote distractions which are and come about through the process of. This was an area that was chosen by our Chazal and our keeping of these laws, except for the washing of children's garments, which would be very much necessary, except for that, 
um, we don't wash clothing you know, during the uh, during the nine days. Uh, please God for Shabbos this Shabbos coming up, as well as for ne- next Shabbos, one uh, can wear our practices today that we do wear clothing which are Shabbos you know, clothing. An additional restriction that we have during the nine days is bathing and swimming. Swimming for the pleasure aspect is to be avoided. Swimming, be careful in terms as well of Akona aspect. But the idea is let's put everything in the right perspective. It's hot outside. And we are a community that bathes regularly throughout the year. The person is perspired. The person takes a quick shower. That, according to most authorities, is permissible. Sitting in a jacuzzi, that would be certainly prohibited during the nine days. A lot of good detail has to go into this, and a person should, if they have any question, um, contact their you know, local rub in terms of questioning on some of these laws. In terms of buying new items, items for which we would recite a Shafiyano during this time of the year. We're not reciting, listen to the words, Shafiyano, the Giyano, we're not thanking Hashem for coming to this time. So therefore, let's say if, if you wanted to buy a silver gift for somebody that you're going to uh, be giving them as a wedding present or something like that after the nine days, preferably that in of itself should not be done during the nine days because we are looking to minimize the pleasures that we have. If something is significantly on sale and not purchasing it during the nine days, it is a significant financial loss. Once again, I think there'd be room for some negotiation. The main thing is to realize that it's not just the letter of these laws, but more important, as I'm trying to communicate, a spirit that we should feel that crest, that something is wrong, something is missing. Now, I'd like to just conclude with focusing on the first mitzvah in Parshat Mato. This week, we have the privilege of the two parshios of Matos and Mase. Matos contains two mitzvahs, one positive and one restriction. Mase has two positives and four restrictions. Together, there are eight mitzvahs. But the very first mitzvah of Pasha Matos is No Yachel Dvoro, telling us that man's speech is holy. A person should not profane their speech. The first thing is, on the simplest level, what the Torah is saying is, a person wants to lose weight, and they try this and they try that. Well, let's say a person has uh, a certain propensity towards uh, chocolate cake, towards brownies, etc. So, it came from his own wife's oven. 
He came from a kosher bakery. But he, she, can enable themselves not to eat of that cake. Where does the willpower come from? If you knew that the cake was not kosher, you just wouldn't eat it. By your saying this cake is utter to me as, quote, a carbon, then this is utter to me. You have the power to create with your speech that the kosher cake, which everybody else can eat, you can't eat. And if you were to eat that cake, it's like you ate non-kosher. This is the incredible ability that Hashem has given us that with our mouths we can create. So just listen to that sentence. You can create with your mouth good and positive, and lower angles, you can create with your mouth the negative as well. And so, at this time, the Gemara in Yuma reminds us, ay ay ay, why was the second base Amigdash destroyed? Because there was a breakdown between Jews. Unfortunately, it's my way, and it's the only way. And therefore, at this time of the year, you've got to tell yourself, I love all Jews. I don't necessarily endorse all of their behavior. Ah, well, how do you get a child to come around to your behavior? And the answer is by loving the child. And then there's one more ingredient that you have to do to get the child to come around. You have to love the child some more. How are you going to, quote-unquote, win friends and influence others? And these others that you're not happy with their, quote, behavior. Because after all, my way is the only way. The only way to do it is by loving them. And that is a very important point that comes out because, unfortunately, Sinat Klinam, once I've given myself the license to harbor resentment and hatred towards others, what's going to follow thereafter is Lashon Hara, profaning one's speech. So the positive, beautiful mitzvah that comes out of this first mitzvah of Parshat, um, Macho is the sanctity of one's speech. And let's think about it just for one more moment. Today is Rosh Chodesh Av, Aleph Day. Most of the keynotes are written, that we're going to say, on Tisha B'Av Day, are written in the form of Aleph Day. And we are basically reminding ourselves that Baruch Sha'amah, the Hoya Olam, Akadish Baruch, who with his keyboard, with his speech, was able to create the world. We too, with our speech, we create or destroy. We create relationships or destroy relationships with our speech. How far a good word goes and how far out a disparaging and negative word goes as well. I want to conclude with that beautiful line from the Otsur. When we speak about the Beis Hamikdash, what do we say? Devir Kodesho Eviyani. The Beis Hamikdash is called Devir, from the word Dibur, from the word speech. 
This is where God communicated to Moshe in the Mishkan. This is where Hashem communicates and has a very special relationship with us throughout the years. And this is what we're praying will be restored to us in Hera Biyamenu, Zvir Kotshon, Zviyani. He should bring us quickly back to his base on English. May our positive speech that we are trying to be careful with all year long, but especially during these nine days, may our positive speech bring us one significant step closer to Zvir Kotshon, Zviyani. Shabbat Shalom and a meaningful nine days to all. JM in the AM on a Friday morning. What an amazing treat to have Rabbi Yudin speak to us from the Holy Land on this incredible Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin and uh, wishing him, of course, an amazing Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh in the whole, I should say Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat in the proper order in the Holy Land, in Israel. J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning on this Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas, Matos, and Maseh. We'll close out the book about Midbar, candlelighting in New York at 8.06. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. The annual Catskills Nine Days Conference is done. Le'ilu Nishmas, Reb Shlomo Eliezer, Ben Rav Yaakov, and Rachel Bas Shimonaron Svi. And it happens this Coming Tuesday at the Fallsview Estates Shul, 15 Fallsview Drive in Fallsburg, New York. The United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk has their annual Catskills Nine Days Conference. The topic this time is giving our children everything, really giving them nothing. Children, values, and us. With us live via telephone, the incredible co-chair of the United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk, an assistant professor at the NYU Silver School of Social Work. Dr. Fagy Zakheim is with us. Dr. Zakheim, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. It's always a pleasure to be back. I just love listening to you, but Nachum, I think everything you talk about sounds so exciting that I just want to go. It doesn't even matter where I'm going. Nice. I just want to go. But this particular conference is out of this world going to be amazing. It's a topic that nobody has touched upon, and it is so incredibly relevant in our times right now because we do. We give our children everything. We say nothing. We, don't, we just want to give them everything. We love them so much. We give them everything. But the question is, by giving them everything, are we really giving them nothing at all? Right. Like, do they want different things than yeah. Everything. You know, a lot of this is a reaction to the fact that our parents and grandparents had nothing. And and since we're in the lap of luxury and we're in such an incredible place now, um, we, we just, you know, many, many parents and grandparents feel the need to just shower our children and grandchildren with whatever they can get their hands on. Um, I think that's definitely one of the reasons, like as children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors and hearing the stories of how little they had 
we think, okay, let's make it up. Let's give our children everything. I think that's one of the reasons. But I think there's more. I think maybe one of the reasons is also our children having access to the world out there, to the Internet, ah, and point. seeing everything out there, and then coming back home and saying, oh, I just saw the new iPhone 26. Right. Can I get that one? Right. And then we, we say, well, you know, why wouldn't we? Look at, this, look at his eyes. He really wants it. Let me give it to him. Right. Not realizing that we're not thinking about it. Like, are we doing the right thing by saying yes to everything they want just because we may have the resources to do it or just because we want to please them and we want them to be happy all the time? Are we doing the right thing by giving them everything that they ask for? Mm, Wouldn't wouldn't it be better to sit down and have a conversation with them and talk to them about why this means so much to them? Oh, this is going to be very interesting, to say the least. One thirty this coming Tuesday with an incredible lineup. I see you've chosen Dr. David Pelkovitz to be featured that afternoon. So we're very excited. Um, this conference, this annual nine days conference, we call it our Catskills Conference. Right. Honestly, it's put together by the Catskills ladies. They decide what is a relevant topic for mothers and their children or fathers and the children. They decide on the topic, and then we move forward. And Dr. Pelkowitz has been with us for a lot of, a lot of years, a lot of these conferences. They're blowout conferences. We get it's standing room only. Wow. So it starts at 1.30. I really suggest that everybody get there on time. We move, we move with the clock because we know the children are coming home from day camp. So we start on time. They all love Dr. Pelkovitz. They just love him. And then what we did this year, which we've done before also, is um, after he speaks, you know, your brain starts working and we have our pads. Uh, Ruhama from Mask brings pads and pens, so they write down all their questions and they're ready. And then we have the panel. We have Dr. Klein and we have Morty Besser, which wow. is amazing, Rabbi Morty Besser, to answer questions about children and what, what we should do with that, you know, how to handle different situations different situations in particular that they have questions about with their own children. And then we just talk. We, ask, we answer questions. It's wonderful. It's an amazing, amazing conference. Dr. David Pelkovitz will kick it off. And then Rabbi Mordechai Besser, executive school consultant at Torah Masora, uh, Dr. Hindi Klein, director of a clinical projects at OHEL, and Dr. Faye Zakheim, co-chair of UTF and assistant professor for the NYU Silver School of Social Work, will all participate in the panel discussion everybody it seems you and your colleagues have like a different angle they're coming from everybody has their own area of expertise when it comes to this that's that's the reason we put the panel together yeah. this way everyone really does have their own expertise because rabbi besser is coming from a totally educational background right. indy klein is coming from a very psychological background right. and i'm coming from a very practical social work background so the, the, any questions that the mothers have, they've got it covered between the three of us. And then Dr. T David Pelkovitz, who's the king, who's got research and surveys to show how important teaching our children values is for our children. That it's not just about giving, giving, giving. It's about conversation. It's about what means a lot to them. And this is the time. This is the time that we have to be talking to our children. I want to give a shout out to the people that put the, the uh, committee together, sure. that worked on the committee. 
And I want to say thank you to Rukama Klapman from Mask, and I want to say thank you to Hannah White from Turo, and I want to say thank you to Dr. Klein from OHEL. They did a beautiful job, and a special thank you to, from OHEL, there's a wonderful man, from, he lives in Israel in Ephraim, his name is Derek Sacker, and he actually does these flyers for us. He's the one that found the picture of this king, <laughs> this little boy sitting there. I was going to ask you about that. Feeling like he's the most entitled little boy, and he deserves everything Yeah, in the world. I, I was going to ask if it's your grandson, frankly. <laughs> no, I'm happy to say that it's not my grandson. I try very hard. I really do I'm try kidding, very, very hard to have conversations with them and to try to explain to them the priorities in life, the way I was taught as a child, what my priorities are, and the way I spoke to my children about their priorities. Nice. So it's going to be very exciting. We're just really thrilled. And also, of course, it's sponsored by the entire United Task Force, which just keeps getting bigger and bigger. bigger. Um, the agencies that are part of it, it's just everybody. It's Torah Misora. Oh, I mean, I can't even begin to start mentioning all the agencies, but everybody works together as a network. And we meet once every six weeks. We talk about the issues that are going on in the firm community. And it's just a wonderful, ongoing, working hard task force, people who are completely devoted to just helping the cloud all the time. And it's just a wonderful thing. By the way, Faye, I meant that I thought maybe your grandson modeled for the picture. I didn't, God forbid, mean that he's uh, unlucky being your grandson. He's probably one of the luckiest kids in the world, your I, grandchildren. So. But then, we, but then uh, we could have a conversation about what does lucky mean. Lucky really does not mean giving them everything. That's you know? correct. Am I right? That's correct. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. Uh, if only every parent realized that, we'd have a much, much different society. And by the way, it would also relieve a lot of pressure on parents as well if they only realized that uh, giving everything is not always the answer. Yeah, we, you know what, though? It's a, it's a lot more work. It's very easy to just take out your right. credit card and just That's say, okay, true. go ahead and do it. That's it's a lot true. of work to say, you know, honey, I really love you, Shayfullah. Let's have a let's have a conversation. I right. love you. I want you to have everything. But let's have a conversation about what this particular thing means to right. you. That's true. You know, also, I just want to mention, because sure. I have the most exec, uh, executive committee that is unbelievable. Like, we work together so closely. So I just want to give a special shout-out to Baruch Bear Bender from Achiezer and to Rabbi Becker from Aguda and Dr. Dr. Bieberfeld from Maimonides, and Dr. Joe Rosenshine, who everybody knows, yeah. and Dr. Andy Klein. I just want to say a, a very, very special thank you to all of them, and to Dr. Schindler from Pesach Tikva, who really should also be at this conference because he's such a wise person and has so much experience with children and giving them everything. All right, everybody, listen very carefully. The annual Catskills Nine Days Conference brought to you by the United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk is this Tuesday. The topic is giving our children everything, really giving them nothing. Children, values, and us. It'll feature Dr. David Pelkovitz, the uh, panel, Rabbi Mordechai Besser, Hindi Klein, Faye Zakheim. Um, Dr. Zakheim will be joined by uh, all of these incredible people. And by the way, um, uh, Faye, you will correct me if I'm wrong, the entire panel will be open to Q&A after their presentations, right? Absolutely. And the entire panel is not even rushing off even after the ladies have to run back to pick up their children from day camp. The yeah, panel so will be staying longer. They're going to be there Tuesday, July 17th, starting at 1.30 at the Fallsview Estate Shul on Fallsview Drive in Fallsburg, New York. Information, here's what you do. You call Ilana at 347-666-3274. Again, 347-666-3274. It is another amazing, incredible Catskills Nine Days Conference put together by the United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk. 
Uh, we always say this, Faggy, but in this case, again, it's true. Don't miss it, folks. It's an amazing opportunity to really enhance everyone's parenting skills and to really open up on a topic that's so important. All righty. Nachum, you are amazing. <laughs> thank I thank you. you so much for keeping our whole Amis role together with your radio show. You are just unbelievable, and we are so grateful to you. I so, appreciate so that. Good luck on Tuesday. Thank you very, very, very much. Have, have a, a great shab- job. Have it? a Shabbat Shalom. There she is, Fagi Zakheim. Dr. Zakheim leads this incredible and amazing organization, United Task Force for Children and Families at Risk, as co chair of the organization. And she invites everybody this Tuesday to the Falls View Estate Shul beginning at 1.30 p.m. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys on a Friday Rosh Chodesh morning at JM and the M. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Go on home and find a gift that's waiting there for you. Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com, on the NahumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Oh yes, on this Rosh Chodesh morning, we wish everybody a wonderful and incredible Shabbos. That's right. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Nine days have begun. We are here Monday starting at 6 a.m. Monday at 8 a.m. I'll play my father's eulogy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Matis is in Sunday. JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to join Matis. And um, today the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix goes all day long right after the encore presentation of Naomi Nachman and Table for Two or not? Are we doing table for two? Are we going straight to the, um, yeah, we're doing a table for two encore and then straight to the Arab Shabbos music with uh, our friends at Kedem. Have a fabulous Shabbos, everybody. Great weekend. Can't wait to see everybody in Camp Misora Sunday. Till Monday, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.